Welcome to the Universal Podcast of Human Rights. My name is Emily Hophouse and I am an LPC student at BPP. Today we will be tackling the topic of modern slavery and homelessness in the UK. Modern slavery is one of the greatest evils of our world. It targets some of the most vulnerable in society to use them as commodities to make profit. Forms of modern slavery include sexual exploitation, forced labour, child slavery, forced criminality and organ harvesting. Victims are forced to work against their will in factories, nail bars, brothels, restaurants or private homes. In 2011, the Leighton Buzzard slave empire was raided by police. 24 slaves were found in filthy, cramped conditions on a caravan site. The men were between 20 and 50 years old and had been recruited from homeless shelters. The police found that the victims were given no payment for physically demanding jobs. They were hardly fed and they were beaten if they refused to work. Some of the victims had been there for 15 years. When they arrived, they had their phones confiscated and their heads shaved. They were all in incredibly vulnerable positions before the exploitation happened. For example, they had drug addictions and had no family support. In 2021, 12,727 victims of modern slavery were referred to the Home Office. The scale of modern trafficking in the UK is huge and it is only getting worse. Today, we'll be exploring some of the key vulnerabilities of victims of trafficking and discussing the pros and cons of the system that identifies and supports victims of trafficking, the National Referral Mechanism. With me today, I have Dr. Julia Thomas. Julia has been working um, in modern slavery since 2009, when she began her postdoctoral research on human trafficking for sexual exploitation. Since 2014, she has been working in frontline services in modern slavery and has focused predominantly on the intersection between homelessness and modern slavery. Welcome, Julia, to the Universal Podcast of Human Rights. Thank you. <laughs> so, first of all, I'd like um, our listeners to understand the system of modern slavery in the UK. As you know, it's, it can be quite complicated uh, procedurally. Um, so, can you just run through with me the process of identifying victims of trafficking in the UK um, starting from um, the referrals and then all the way through to the conclusive grounds decisions? Uh, sure. So in the UK, we have the national referral mechanism, which is uh, the government system to identify and to support victims of modern slavery. Uh, so the national referral mechanism, which we say um, the NRM, to be faster, um, the NRM uh, is divided in three big moments. The first one is the referral. So after identification, we need to find the first responder. There's only a set of first responders uh, um, accepted by the government, which includes local authorities, the police and other charities um, and the Home Office. But the first responder makes a referral. So this is step one. Uh, then, uh, up to five working days after, uh, the person receives a reasonable ground decision. So this is when the government says, we believe that you are a victim of modern slavery, but you can't prove it yet. So once you receive positive reasonable ground decision, you can enter the, the NRM and you receive support under the Modern Slavery Victim Care Contract. Um, you can go to a safe house, but you can also uh, just receive outreach support. 
and this is provided by the Salvation Army. During this time, at least 45 uh, days, uh, the Home Office will provide a conclusive ground decision. Uh, the conclusive ground decision is when the Home Office actually can prove that you are indeed a victim of modern slavery. So really the NRM is one referral, two reasonable ground decision, and three conclusive ground decision. But it's a little bit more complicated than this, though, uh, because uh, to start with, the passage, for instance, it's not the first responder. We're not first responders. So we need to find, in the first instance, a first responder. And because our clients are homeless or destitute, they tend to be very reticent about us contacting the police. Um, so without consent of our clients, we uh, then have to find other first responders and we have a very strong partnership with Westminster City Council to do exactly this. Westminster City Council refers the person to the NRM and we provide pre-NRM support, emergency accommodation, care, um, uh, registration with the GP, etc., uh, while the person waits for reasonable ground decision. When they receive positive reasonable ground decision, they then go to a safe house. And our passage, uh, our work at the passage then works and we pass it all to the Salvation Army. And then again, 45 days at least after the Home Office provides conclusive decision. Okay, so your work is mainly involved with the f initial five days from the referral to the reasonable grounds decision and from there the Salvation Army uh, provide most of the support? Yes, that's basically it. It's normally never just five days because the person, when we uh, uh, when the person is identified, we, we take time uh, with them to stabilise because they are traumatised. Uh, and so we go really at the pace of our clients. Some clients, within 10 days, 7, 10 days, they are in a safe house. Some other clients take much more time, especially if they don't have immigration um, um, status and we prefer really that the person before giving an informed consent to enter the NRM to have as much advice as possible for it to be informed. <laughs> Brilliant. So most of your work has been involved in homelessness and modern slavery and you say that the fight against homelessness is, is so important for the fight against modern slavery. Can you um, give your reasons for this? Why, why is that the case? Yes, so um, uh, uh, the passage has been very keen uh, in demonstrating the link between modern slavery and homelessness. And uh, when you think uh, uh, a person, when they escape um, uh, their traffickers, they quite often don't know where they are, they don't have documents, uh, and they sleep rough for some nights until finding uh, some kind of support. Um, uh, when the person is in the NRM and they decide just to receive outreach support and they lose their accommodation, they might become homeless as well. When a person leaves the NRM and again might lose their accommodation, uh, they also become homelessness. So you can see homelessness at every level of uh, uh of the support uh, provided um, uh, for victims of modern slavery. But actually, when you think, uh, I, I believe really that uh, a victim of modern slavery is by definition homeless because it's not because they have a roof over their heads that uh, uh, it's their home. It's indeed, it's not their home. So actually a victim of modern slavery is homeless. Yeah. So I, I, to the first point about the, the point where uh, victims flee their traffickers, I think it's important to raise here um, 
that so many victims of trafficking rely on their exploiters for accommodation is estimated at around two-thirds um, of victims rely for accommodation. So in fleeing their exploiters, they, they become homeless, and that must be a very difficult um, time for them and also must encourage, or not encourage, but force some victims to stay with their exploiters. And that's part of the whole system of coercion and deception that um, victims of trafficking are in, um, that their, their exploiters um, force them to, for example, give up their documents so they can't then find uh, secure housing elsewhere with the council or they are then forced to... Yeah, so, they, so their only option when fleeing their exploiters is then to become homeless. Is that the experience that you've had at The Passage? Most of the people who come to you are homeless. Uh, yes, absolutely. And homeless, uh, you know, mind you, it means also it's not only sleeping rough. It is uh, uh, sofa surfing, having to stay with friends here and there, uh, or squatting. So all homelessness includes also invisible homelessness. So, and yes, all our clients are homeless uh, at the time of identification. But I want to have a, just when you think um, homelessness is really uh, it's you are totally right. When a person accommodation is normally linked to, to, to the exploitation. Uh, a person who is uh, deceived into working in a car wash might quite often just live in overcrowded flats over the car wash. If a person is deceived or coerced to work in a, in a farm, um, they will probably just be offered a horrendous caravan. Um, for sex workers and sexual exploitation, they quite often are forced to work in a bedroom, in the same bedroom where they, um, where they sleep. Um, um, so absolutely, accommodation is really linked to, to trafficking. And, and that is one reason why people might be so reticent about fleeing their traffickers because they know they will be homeless, there will be no one for them, and that is terrifying. When you have cases of, uh, of victims of modern slavery who have escaped their traffickers and had to sleep rough for several days or several months even before uh, getting the support that they need, you accumulate the trauma that they go through because of their exploitation, but also the trauma of sleeping rough, actually, because that is highly traumatic. So we have different layers of trauma uh, in here going. But I would like to point out as well the fact that because people, uh, homelessness is a, a really high vulnerability to modern slavery. When the person, when you think, I always say this in my training, the definition of modern slavery is in uh, it has three elements to be mo a crime of modern slavery: the act, the means, and the purpose. The act is uh, uh, the action of recruiting, uh, housing, transporting by the means of deception or coercion uh, for the purpose of exploitation. Now, if you think about the rough sleeper, for instance, imagine a rough sleeper. He's cold. He's alone. It's at night. He's, he, he doesn't have any food and he could do with a little bit of, a, of alcohol as well to help. Um, and that's, those people who just pass by and tell him, um, well, you know, come with us, we will take care of you. You can work in our farm for, for uh, some months. We can give you cash in hand every day and you'll have a place to sleep. We will take care of you. You won't be alone anymore. And the person accepts and then is transported and harbored in a farm where 
they are exploited uh, with lots of hours, no breaks and no pay. You can really see here the act, the means and the purpose of modern, uh, uh, as a definition of modern slavery. But you can also understand the vulnerability of rough sleepers and of homeless people to accept these dodgy offers of jobs. It will be very easy any of us could fall for this kind of deception and homeless people, because of poverty, are precisely very vulnerable to that. And their lack of family ties and the fact that people won't notice if they've gone. Absolutely. That. No one notices if they go missing. Uh, they don't have family or friend uh, a network to protect them and they will disappear just for years or for months until they manage to escape. So really, it's just it's because you're homeless. Uh, well, one of the reasons... It, Let's say it's because you're homeless that you are easily deceived by a fake uh, uh, job offer. And then when you escape from your traffickers, you will almost for sure become homeless again. So it's kind of a really circle. And the links are so strong between modern slavery and homelessness is absolutely incredible. And yes, we see it uh, on a daily basis at the passage. Absolutely. Did you mention that... Um that you've actually found at, at homeless outreach sessions and in food queues or etc. You've come across traffickers trying to um, recruit victims at, at those times. Has that happened? Um, uh, yes, the the um, the risk of re-trafficking is very very high because the person is still very very vulnerable. Now. Um, in my experience, when they are receiving, in what I've seen since 2018 in here in London, is that um, uh, uh, once they receive, even if it's just outreach support from uh, the victim care contract holder, uh, they tend to, no, there is a support worker who sees them all the time, who supports them. It's kind of hard for a person to be re-trafficked unless they disengage from the NRM. What I see, though, is people who go through the NRM, who come out with positive, conclusive decision, but then because of various reasons like substance misuse, for instance, uh, you know, uh, and just being able to have part-time work, they still can't send money home to their families, it's still not a good position, so they will accept other job offer, dodgy job offers. So we did have cases of people who were trafficked, entered the NRM, received conclusive decision, came out of it and were re-trafficked again. But we also had uh, uh, one or two situations in which while we were providing support and the support, pre-NRM support includes emergency accommodation and because of COVID most of the times this is in hotels um, and and the traffickers are still in contact with them and then they prefer you know now you know what this is not a life being homeless being supported by a homeless charity this is not okay I'm just going to go back to the traffickers and you really understand that because the system we have uh, to support victims might not you know it, it might look not as good as the support that traffickers um provide it's like uh, this is not a very good way to say it but because the person only knows that life with their traffickers and because of grooming and all of these mental control and uh, control methods that the traffickers use they will probably the victims might think that these are their only friends this is their only family so they prefer to go back to what they 
what they believe is their stability rather than being yeah. supported by homeless charities, which is really sad. Yeah, that is sad. And that goes to the heart of the fact that the NRM is is a system that maybe promises a lot but doesn't deliver. So it has, you know, this supposed uh, 45, within 45 days, people are supposed to receive their conclusive grounds decisions. But um, there have been reports of it taking up to six months for oh, uh, people to uh, receive. Oh, yeah. even longer? <laughs> even longer. Yes, even longer. It's I can confirm one case that is after three years is still waiting for decision. So oh, wow. uh, it's it, it's far more than six months. Is on average it can be up to a one year on average. Um, wow. Uh, so that is problematic. But mind you. Uh, the time that uh, uh, the Home Office takes to deliver a conclusive decision, they are also, the victims are also survivors. Let's call them survivors by this time. Survivors mm-hmm. are being protected as well by the government, you know, and and they are in safe houses or, or, or some of them are still receiving outreach support. So, um, so it, it does take too long to get a conclusive decision, but at the same time, the person is not alone. The problem of this is that most of the people are not allowed to work a little bit like the asylum system and so people are very you know people who are trafficked because the reasons that they need money um and specifically to take to 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 send to family and to their children um this is not a very appetizing this is not a very uh uh, nice solution to be stuck in a safe house with no no possibility of work um this doesn't work very well so that is one of the problems with the nrm uh, but also, uh, 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 there are uh, there are various gaps uh, in the NRM, of course, and and we are all and mind you, the Home Office has a consultation group from which we are part. The passage on victim support, on how to make it better, uh, and how to uh, um, upgrade, kind of, if you want, the statutory guidance to support uh, victims of yeah. modern slavery. So it it is an ongoing work. Uh, but yeah. they are, there are gaps in victim support that we need to address, yes. W- would you say that um, once receiving a conclusive grounds decision, let's say a positive grounds decision, the, the prospects for um, survivors are, are good? Is there um, definite, uh, for example, if a, if a survivor doesn't have um, immigration status, will they receive indefinite leave to remain? What are the prospects for survivors at that point? Can they then receive permanent housing? Can you just explain that a little bit for us? Yes. So uh, once a person receives positive conclusive ground decision, um, uh, uh, they enter the period that we call move on support. So their key workers uh, will um, uh, make sure uh, that the person has immigration status, uh, uh, mm-hmm. has is starting to receive benefits, and housing applications have been done and they are housed. However, the problem is that uh, uh, it's not because you enter the NRM that you will be granted leave to remain. It's not guaranteed. So, uh, it, and forget about indefinite leave to remain. <laughs> We're talking about a one-year discretionary leave to remain. Yeah. Um, it will depend. Uh, once a person receives positive, conclusive decision, um, it will depend on the Home Office single competent authority 
to to decide if the person will be granted one year discretionary leave to remain or not. So the key worker will have to advocate on behalf uh, uh, of their uh, service users uh, to get that. It's not guaranteed. It's not an automatic process. So this is one of the things that we we come across all the time in our consultations and and conversations with the Home Office is precisely that. We need that guarantee. uh, and they don't have, uh, 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 and uh, and never mind indefinite leave to remain. So, so entering the NRM is not a very fancy thing. It's like the asylum system. It is not something great. Uh, it will take time. It will be mm. painful. Um, and at the end, uh, you might not even be believed. So, uh, you know, mm. when, when they receive negative conclusive decision, they have 14 days to leave the safe house. And that is absolutely terrible. And that yet again, it's a high, very high risk of re-trafficking. Yeah. Do you find that um, some of the some of your clients, some of your service users, they don't even want to enter the NRM in the first place? Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, we uh, yes. Um, until last year, um, and this is because I'm cre- I'm doing now the financial uh, annual report, um, uh, so financial year. Sorry. Anyway, um, so until last year. Uh, almost half of our clients didn't want to enter the NRM. Wow. This year, it has changed a bit, and and it's interesting. I, I do not, I don't have an answer for that. But what we are seeing uh, is that for the people who, who, who refuse to enter the NRM, this is because they might have. Um, uh, police records they might have they don't have immigration status they are afraid mm-hmm. that they will be deported um so there are various reasons not to enter the NRM but also when you say you will be put in a house somewhere <laughs> in England mm-hmm. no one knows where no one knows how the houses look like uh, so we kind of we can't even assure or tell the person what is going to happen and and where are they going because we are not all that this the purpose of a safe yeah. house is to be secret. So it's kind of, it's it's a little bit sending them to Mars, <laughs> really entering the NRM. But on the other side, you know, again, we are really working to 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 address these gaps in victim support. So we, we are creating partnerships with the Salvation Army, which is a victim care contract, and, and really uh, developing a really good communication process between us and the single competent uh, authority and the Salvation Army to make sure that the person doesn't fall in these uh, in these gaps and that our support is continuing from us to to them and that support um also includes mental health support because a lot of victims of trafficking have very complex mental health needs that yes that as well. yeah yeah absolutely so the national referral mechanism entitlements is that they are entitled to uh, go to a safe place safe house which is mm-hmm. really interesting for people who are homeless um, they are entitled to a support worker uh, and the support worker will be signposting and refer to a specific um, uh, uh, types of support which includes mental health support health um, uh, legal aid um, mm-hmm. also so a person will be entitled to education like English courses and transport money as well 
and also DNRM uh, 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 entitlements include uh, a, a weekly allowance between 39 to 65 pounds per week, depending on their situation, and includes a support worker. And this support worker, one of the first things that they will do is link with uh, the GP, the local GP, mm-hmm. mental health support and legal aid. Um, they should also work on compensation, but that depends on the expertise of the key workers. But these are the entitlements, uh, mm-hmm. education as well, and transport. Okay. And in terms of legal aid, uh, is that is that available for um, clients who have a negative conclusive grounds decision? Well, no. are they then rep- <laughs> It's not available? No, they have to have positive, uh, reasonable ground decision and uh, 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 to access, to access uh, DNRM. So, but mm-hmm. there are, uh, there are lots of, uh, of solicitor groups um, mm-hmm. and, and really I, I advise for people to, to go on the site of ATLU. Uh, yeah. They provide uh, immigration advice and this includes immigration advice even before entering DNRM. Brilliant. Okay, so um, just to com- speak about finally the work that you do at the passage. So as you've already said, it's it's pre uh, pre NRM support, and then also the first five days until the reasonable grounds decision. So you're providing. Uh, ha- do you provide housing support? Yes, Are you in yeah. hotels and immigration support and. Any food, uh, uh, yes. stuff like that? Yes, so the Modern Slavery Service, um, which is for most of people, is pre-NRM, but uh, we also uh, support some people who become homeless during the NRM, who have mm-hmm. become homeless after and uh, once they left the NRM. But most of our service is a pre-NRM service, and this includes, um, as soon as a person is identified, we go for a no night out anymore. We take them immediately out of the streets because that is really, that's the when they are really vulnerable to be picked up again by their uh, by their traffickers so we take them out of the streets immediately and we put them in emergency accommodation this might be hotels just by the passage so they can come into the passage every day for breakfast and lunch um, or hostels if there are bedrooms available mm-hmm. uh, we also provide food vouchers so they have dinner and during the weekend because the passage is closed during the weekend we also give toiletries and this is all included in the passage uh, resource center um, toiletries, uh, food. We have a whole section of, uh, of food, do- um, of clothes. Sorry, clothes donations uh, where they can help themselves and change their um, their clothes. We have um, a showers as well. So this is kind of the immediate needs. Uh, then uh, once a person is calm down and a little bit stabilized, because once they close the door of their bedrooms. And for many of them didn't manage to close their bedrooms for ages. There was no doors, there was no lockers, or or there, oh, it was locked all the time. So mm-hmm. it is really a, a coming back to reality very smoothly, very slowly. So then we have a modern slavery assessment with them to understand really their situation, the exploitation types, their needs, do a risk assessment. Well, we do that between one hour and a half and two hours with the client. And then if they give us consent, we have a very long form of authority so we can represent our client at every level with every organization. We then, once we have consent from our clients, we organize a multi-agency case conference um, uh, together in partnership with Westminster City Council. Now, this multi-agency case conference, which in short is MAC, 
This Max is really original. It's an original project within the passage. And it's the only charity in the homelessness sector that does that. Um, uh, so we have this within 48 hours, have multi-agency case conference with the frontline, uh, with the, sorry, with first responders who are Westminster City Council for us and all the other people who are already involved in the case. That might be a nurse, mental health support worker, the immigration solicitor or any other agency that is already involved in supporting this person. Uh, and so we we go through the risks again, risks, needs, immigration status, capacity to consent. And once we agree that, yes, this is a potential victim of modern slavery, the first responder is happy to refer them to, um, to the NRM. Uh, and so then we produce an action plan in coordination, collaboration with all our uh, uh, partners, and we we show that to our client so he knows exactly they know it's not he or she they know exactly what uh, we are doing for them during this time we see them every day we register them with the gp if they if they are not registered yet um uh, and uh, uh, if they need we have mental health support workers at the passage as well um we provide also a phone a new phone with a new phone number so they can really close the ties with uh, their traffickers. They, you know, it reminds me the first, the first um, a client I supported back in 2018. Uh, until we gave him a new phone, he was still being contacted more than 60 times per day by his traffickers and by his sexual clients to say, "Come back, okay. honey, come back to us. We miss you." Um, so that's the reason why we change phone numbers immediately. So we provide all of this package is what we call the pre and service that we do. Gosh, that's incredible. Absolutely amazing level of support. Um, so yeah, I, everyone who's listening today, I would recommend you visit the Passage website um, and there's lots of information and resources on modern slavery there. Um, as you also mentioned, ATLU, they're really a really great modern slavery service um, based across the country. Um, and otherwise, I would also suggest, I'm sure you agree with me, Julia, that people just inform themselves about modern slavery. I think it can sometimes slip under the rug um, in people because it's very, as you say, it's invisible, it's very hidden. It affects some of the most vulnerable people in society. So just to understand what the, the warning signs are and and what the most common forms of exploitation and just to be aware of that because you never know when you might come across it in your own life. Yes, absolutely. So it is really, um, it is really when you go through the types of exploitation, when you see sexual exploitation, it is quite invisible. You don't see sex workers around everywhere. You need to know where they are and da-da-da. There's labor exploitation um, that can be in farms, faraway farms or car washes. But it can also be in restaurants right in front of you where you go yeah. and eat. It can also be uh, nail uh, nail bars uh, uh, where you go every weekend yeah. or car washes where, or the car wash where you wash your car. Um, domestic servitude is even more invisible because it's... Uh, in, in private houses, we, we can't see it. So all of these types of exploitation, they might be, uh, you know, they are visible crimes, but the victims are quite invisible. And this is because they look like you and me. Uh, although part of the indicator is that they look disheveled, they don't know where they are, they don't speak the local language. But in the homelessness sector, how many of rough sleepers are like that? So to understand really modern slavery and to know how to spot the signs is very often, if you think that something is strange, well, 
ask the person if they are okay, if they need something. If you if you if you see something that doesn't look right, it probably isn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, and absolutely, I advise everybody to to get training sessions, uh, awareness sessions, to watch short films that are on YouTube as well that are really enlightening, um, and. Uh, um, and and yeah, and, and just go from there. And also, you know, if a person, really the big advice here is that if you think that you are seeing uh, um, modern slavery right in front of our eyes, which is, for instance, if you pay your car to be washed for five pounds and you see three or four people washing your car for half an hour, or there's obviously exploitation. If you're yeah. paying a little amount for, for your nails to, to be done, that might be exploitation as well. So it's a little bit about opening our eyes and pay attention uh, around us. And if you think that you're seeing cases of modern slavery, even if, it's, even if you doubt and you're not sure about yourself, call Modern Slavery Helpline on zero eight thousand one two one seven hundred. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Julia. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking you to you today. Um, you've enlightened welcome. us on so many issues. You're so knowledgeable and the again you've just shown how the work of the passage is so important um, in Westminster. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. You're very welcome, Emily. <laughs>